Hi, my name is Brian, and welcome to another episode of Safe Place Campus. On the last episode, I spoke with USC undergraduate student Ahmad. He is the director of new member health and wellness for IFC. IFC is the overarching organization for the fraternities and the sororities at USC. We spoke about mental health and some of the issues that are going on within the IFC community. Today, we are going to touch again on the queer community and joining me today, I have an amazing person and I cannot wait to introduce you to her. My name is Bryant and welcome to Safe Place Campus. Today, I have a great, amazing person, like I just said. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Destiny Rodriguez. I am a graduate student here at USC um, in the social work program. Ooh. So, Destiny is an official team member of Safe Place Campus. So, Destiny, (laughs) tell us what drew you to this campaign. Okay. So I actually saw a little blurb on the La Casa newsletter, and it talked about um, an event that you all were having, bringing in a speaker and things like that. So I got pretty excited that they were looking for new new people to be on the team. Um, And when I reached out to Diane, we set up a meeting, had some conversation, and when I found out more about what Safe Place Campus does, for the USC community and for different marginalized groups, I was really into it and wanted to see how could I help out, what could I do, um, and here we are. Now I'm on the team. Now you're on the team. So tell us a little bit about what you do specifically with the team. Perfect. So I actually am the person who is reaching out to different organizations here at USC to partner with them, hopefully try to get them on the podcast, um, also have them know what Safe Place Campus does, how can we work together, and um, kind of take down those silos and build a broader community um, f- to talk about safety, especially for marginalized groups and just so if you see an email from me it's so that we can work together (laughs) Um, and just getting people more involved and putting our name out there but also highlighting the great work that's already done here at USC. Yes so you yourself understand what it is like to be a part of a marginalized community and the intersection of marginalized communities Because you are a Latina Mm -hmm. and you also identify as queer. Yes, I identify as lesbian. I'm Guatemalan and Mexican, so, and a woman. So, (laughs) I got multiple (laughs) intersections hitting from every corner. Yeah, intersectionality is my thing. So, (laughs) understanding it from that perspective and um, just the multifaceted components of my own identity have very much paved the way and motivated me to be part of things like Safe Place Campus. Yeah. So you would say that all of those intersections of your identity are part of the reasons that you want to not only help out with this campaign and making sure Mm -hmm. that other marginalized voices on campus are heard, but also your career path. Yeah. And what you're doing and you want to go into social work. Exactly. So I definitely think that my own identities on top of my passions for um, the helping services are really coming all together um, and helping me understand what it is to be a marginalized person. Obviously, um, my whole life, I've been a woman. I've been a person of color. Um, we'll talk about my uh, 
queerness later on. <laughs> but um, all of those things have really joined together. I don't think that um, you can leave any of your identities at the door. You can choose not to share them if they're invisible identities. Mm. But um, I can't you take can't, the colors of my skin off. Or, skin off or not yeah. appear as a woman mm-hmm. as the way that you present yourself. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think that's that's a very interesting point that, you know, there was a space and time where people of fair skin did participate in assimilation through passing. Mm-hmm. It just speaks to the point of what having just your skin tone mm-hmm. being different, how that can allow for you to matriculate and move into other spaces and not face some of the disadvantages that other people face. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, being a woman is one thing. Mm-hmm. Then being a woman and being of color mm-hmm. is another thing. Then being a woman, mm-hmm. being of color, and <laughs> being a part of the queer community, it's just like you're just taking yeah. a notch <laughs> and a notch and a notch. And I could, I would presume that that would, or that has impacted some of your ability to maneuver your career or your dreams, and you've had to go through possibly more jump over more hurdles than the average person yeah i mean i would agree And when i say the average person let me (laughs) clarify then the standard um heteronormative woman yeah no i definitely think that when i say standard (laughs) let me be specifically clear (laughs) that in comparison to white men Mm -hmm. straight white men and in comparison to well let me just say white men Mm-hmm. That's another topic for another day. <laughs> but in comparison to white men and white women, yep, the hurdles or the challenges that you've had have been different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we definitely face additional barriers and um, struggles and challenges within our own culture. Um, being a woman, I think, is one thing. Right. And then, like you said, being a woman of color, being in the LGBT community, all of those just pile on top of each other. And it's not to say that it's negative or that I um, am mad about my identities or upset by them. They do pose additional challenges though. And um, I've been lucky enough to try to rise to the occasion and do what I can, Um, but it definitely does impact it. It does um, cause, I think, a little bit more imposter syndrome and doubting myself and saying, well, you know, I don't see other queer women or other women of color, other Latinas at the table, like, can I ever get there? And having those doubts within myself, I think, have been by me, because I'm internalized, I have internalized a lot of these um, negative stereotypes or prejudices and things like that. But it's also um, allowed me to prove myself and I mean, prove myself to myself, because I don't, uh, I've learned not to feel like I need to prove myself to anyone else, but allowing myself to rise up and know that I can get there and that if there's not a seat there that or someone who looks like me, I can pull up a chair and it can be me. Period. Now, I recently <laughs> read a piece from, I pray I do not butcher her name, um, Valdivia, V-A-L-D-I-V-I-A. Okay, Valdivia. I would say so, yeah. That's how you pronounce it. Okay, so um, there was an article. It's called um, Latinas on Latinas on Television and Film. Mm-hmm. Um, and she basically spoke about how, you know, representation is more than just a black and white conversation. Yes. Um, and that Latina women have often been reduced in representation in media to being a maid, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. or being a sexy, mm-hmm. voluptuous um, woman or being Latina, but not championing on their heritage. So mm-hmm. just being this ambiguous Latina woman mm-hmm. who doesn't have any connections outside of just you knowing that she's Latina. So you don't know that she's Guatemalan or mm-hmm. Colombian or mm-hmm. Cuban. You just yeah. know that she is Latina and that even in that aspect that there is some erasure mm-hmm. that is occurring and othering that doesn't allow for other Latina women to see themselves and to be represented authentically. And she also spoke about the, you know, there's a balance and you overplay the stereotypes mm-hmm. um, or you underserve it. And there's this whiteness, whiteness attached to mm-hmm. um, the characters, that, the characters um, that are being portrayed. And so really just sort of kind of sitting into the fact that, you know, it's hard to find a equal balance, mm-hmm. a equal something that that you know yeah because sometimes you know i feel like we look at stereotypes negatively Mm -hmm. and some stereotypes are based in truth Mm -hmm. and that's a hard like thing to like work with and then it's just like okay well if the stereotype is based based in truth is the stereotype still negative because it's trying to say something negative about something that we positively enjoy and positively experience Mm -hmm. or is it just something that you embrace you know, and the article goes back and forth with saying, like, you know, you have to find this balance of, you know, when you're doing, re- when you have people who are being represented, mm-hmm. the balance of it being not too much to the left, not too much to the right. But I want to ask, this article was written a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Do you think that now that there's representation? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I appreciate someone like that writing an article that talks about those challenges that they may face Um within the community, I think that now we do see a little bit more. We still see the stereotypical, like fiery, spicy, like those those are the adjectives that are put onto Latina women, right? Like um, we talk about it with different kinds of women, different races, different cultures. Um, it's definitely there for Latinas as well. And like you said, are we going to talk about them just being Latina or are we going to talk about them being Mexican, Guatemalan, Colombian, Puerto Rican, all of these kinds of things? Um, I think we're doing a little bit better now Well, from what I've seen. And I, as a caveat, I'm also out there searching more for those things because right. I want to see that. I want um, to have these conversations and be able to, you know, I look at it through a critical eye because it's, it's my background, it's my culture, um, and wanting to see, like, are we doing it? what I would say is a good job? Are we representing ourselves accurately? But also understanding that for some people, you got to get that paycheck. You got to make sure that, yes. yeah. And you, so she talks about, you know, mm-hmm. being, being represented, even if you don't like what it is, mm-hmm. being there, there's some, there's something attached to yeah. that. And so, you know, it's the balance of when do you say that, I need to be represented better. I need to make sure that my people are being represented mm-hmm. better. But you also have people that need to eat. Yep. You also have people that want to be an actor, want to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And so they take these roles. And as bias, as people on the bylines, it's like, why are you doing this? Why are yep. you doing that? But then some of us are going to jobs every day where people are demeaning us and discriminating exactly. against us. And we're taking it because mm-hmm. we have to do it. And it's just because they're in a public space right. that we're, we're sort of kind of disassociating ourselves or Mm -hmm. having a cognitive dissonance about what is occurring and Mm -hmm. allowing ourselves to not fully understand all how systemic oppression and racism has shaped 
industries across the entire world. Yeah, and I think especially people in the public eye, um, when we talk about actresses and things like that, we put them on a pedestal, but also as women, we criticize them more. We're not looking at the Latino men and saying, oh, I can't believe you would um, be that way. At least I see it a little bit more, the women on women kind of um, talking bad about them or those negative things. And I think we're really trying, I see a lot of, I mean, like on Instagram and things like that, women supporting women. You're not going to lose anything if she's doing better. Like, let's be real about that. But we know that that's something within our culture. We know it's something within um, women. It comes from patriarchy. That's what it is at the end of the day. But we shouldn't reinforce that. And so looking at it critically, but also understanding that there could be disadvantages they're facing. If I don't do this job, am I ever going to advance? And right. am I ever going to, am I going to get food on the table or help out my parents or be able to establish myself? So I think we are seeing more things, um, but there also is that challenge. Um, we see things like one day at a time. Okay. My favorite. One day at a time. <laughs> it's coming is, back. I'm so I'm excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> Listen, I was trying so hard not to say one day at a time. And in my head, I was like, I'm just going to say it. 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 Yes. Because like one day at a time is one of my favorite yes. shows. Okay. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It's great. Her quinceas? Quinceanera, yeah. Oh my gosh, I just... Oh, I was crying it, so I mean, much. I just weep. Every, <laughs> if I wanted, like, I literally have this the scene saved on my phone. Oh no! <laughs> and I was just sometimes just go and watch it and I was just be like, why is nobody watching this show? What's going on? And then you realize yes. that so many people are watching it mm -hmm. and talking about it and discussing it, which is why it is coming back after yes. Netflix shamefully yes. canceled the series. No. Um, but you know, Budget cuts. Yeah, it is what it <laughs> but, is. But, you know, the show is coming back. Yes. So that is amazing. And it does an amazing job. And I will also, you know, would you feel like shows like Jane the Virgin, although Gina Rodriguez has her own. I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> Gina Rodriguez has her own things that are occurring in life. But do you think that, like, even with it being super dramatic and playing into so many tropes, it does it in a way in which it's giving or like it's not doing it in the way i feel like from an outsider looking in mm -hmm. it's not necessarily doing it in a way that's playing into stereotypes but more so playing into the telenovela and what yes. telenovela is like so it's like it gets this sort of kind of semi-pass to do the dramatics that it does because it's it's highlighting a culture and it there are people on the team who are a part of that culture and who watch these shows growing up and so they sort of kind of have a way to divvy into that yes just because we've been talking about tv for a second <laughs> i want to flip it around um so in talking about you know television and mm -hmm. all those things well and talking about representation in media and how that could be different than what's going on in present day life do you as a student at usc feel like you are represented fairly do you feel like that as a latina and a woman and oh well <laughs> Latina identifies as you are a woman. So yes. as a Latina and um, a queer person, do you feel like there are enough people in positions or organizations that are accessible to you and to other students here on campus where they can be seen? They um, the stereotypes aren't mm -hmm. all the way played into yeah. and there's a space for them to be safe. Yeah. So um, I just as a pre 
that's probably wrong. But um, (laughs) (laughs) as a little heads up, I am very new to the campus as far as being a grad student here. Um, But I was born and raised in L.A., so I have definitely seen it, been around, um, that kind of stuff. But as a Latina LGBT person, I can honestly say I appreciate so much. And it's going to sound it may sound silly to people, but the banners, the banners that we had up for Latinx Heritage Month. Um, now there's rainbow banners up, which I'm assuming is for LGBT History Month. Those little nods to the community are for me saying, I see you. You are here um, being recognized in that way. It's It seems like a little thing, but from the campus I came from, we didn't have those things. To be able to have something that's up 24-7 and honors a community is huge to me. And I think there, um, if you haven't visited La Casa, that is a great place to start if you're looking for resources. La Casa is. Um, It's the Latinx, um, not heritage, it's the Center for Latinx Students and People. So I actually went over there, met with Billy. He's the director. He's great. He gave me this really great uh, Latinx resource guide. And it's also a planner. But there's a bunch of resources. And in those there. are the resources in the guide were specifically for students here. Yes, it's specifically for people here. Um, but there are, it's not just for, um, it says Latinx resource guide. So there are a plethora of information for Latinx students. But there's also things and resources available at USC and then the community at Mm -hmm. large. Yes. And so there is contact information in there. There's um, it talks about the organizations, the groups and things like that. So I think that that's awesome. I think that's really great. So if you're looking for additional resources, check out the center and see those things. We also have the LGBT Resource Center, um, which shamefully I have not looked at yet. (laughs) But um, I have seen different things on the emails that they send out and just different events and organizations that are part of those communities. I think it's really great to have information, educational opportunities because it it needs to go past awareness. I think having the banners and things like that is great. I would be a little bit more hesitant if we weren't having events and things like that that are promoting or discussing topics around uh, Latin, Latinx people and LGBT people. But I actually have seen a lot of those things, which is great. So I do... I feel recognized and safe on campus, but it doesn't mean that everyone else does. I also am cisgender, um, so I know that some people may not know I'm gay. They may see me and just assume that I'm straight. Um, so that's that's part of it too. I am not walking around with my partner on campus because she doesn't go here anymore, but it doesn't mean that people who have those um, opportunities and things like that, that everyone feels safe you know because it's a different experience for everyone and um we think about time place manner like if i was here late at night and maybe people knew that i was out and things like that would i still feel that way Mm. um could be a different a different story yeah so you talk about not not purposely passing yeah but you do there is an opportunity Mm -hmm. presented for you to be who you are identify who you are and be proud of who you are Mm -hmm. but still when people are seeing you they just see that you are um there is an opportunity for you to just be uh Latin mm-hmm. and for you to take whatever comes with that but that just be the sole identity that mm-hmm. people see see you as yes because of that and the way that it, the america is set up there you had to you know tell people that 
mm-hmm. there was another side, there was another part of you that you identify with, something mm-hmm. that was important with you for the people that you wanted yes. to be aware. And so do you mind sharing part of your story and yeah. how you were able to not necessarily embrace, but just live mm-hmm. in your truth mm-hmm. um, for those who needed to know your truth. Yes. And interestingly enough, you, I started publicly or started mm-hmm. telling people in undergrad. Yes. So I hope that other people in here at USC will, you know, hopefully find the comfort that, you know, within mm-hmm. friends and within groups to be able to stand in their truth, however that may be for them. Yeah. So, um, I came out in undergrad. I was um, what people would traditionally, I think, as older for coming out because some people um, embrace that identity at an earlier age. I, on the other hand, was a little bit older. Um, I am the second person in my family to come out as gay. I have all sisters. um, So my older sister is also a lesbian. And uh, she came out very early in in her life and her journey. I... Um, decided to first tell my friends. Some of my friends knew, and then I talked to my family about it. Um, But I also lived in Hawaii during Mm -hmm. my undergrad, so I was very far away. All my family is here in Southern California, so I had a little bit of a distance, um, not in our relationships, but just the ocean between us. There was space (laughs) for you to evolve into who you wanted to be without any pressures of facing any type of Anything from your family. Yeah. As far as personal connection, um, I didn't have to see them every day. Right. There was obvious, well, not obviously, but there was a little bit of a fear. Um, my parents, not my parents, my mom helped me pay for my undergrad. So, mm-hmm. you know, that worry, like, is she going to be upset? Am I going to have financial barriers because of it? Those things. So big thanks to her for um not doing that and letting me continue my academics. And, you know, we had definitely some discussions, some personal disagreements and things like that, and really just trying to understand her side of it. Um, I think for me during that time in my early, early 20s coming out and things like that, it took me a long time to understand why would any be a bit upset about it? What does it have to do with you? Why does it matter who I choose to be with, who I want to love, anything like that? Um, but, you know, understanding people, different generational changes, um, coming from a culture where a lot of women, at least back in the day, were they were the caregivers. They had got married, had babies, and took care of the home. So to disrupt that idea, I mean, I, I wouldn't have seen myself not having a job and things like that, even if I wasn't queer. But understanding like my mom and my grandma, like, why would that matter to you? But if you already have this idea of a person, what is their life going to look like? It, it can disrupt it. It can change it. And I was coming into my truth and trying to um, figure all these things out for myself and then to just bringing that to someone and say, well, this is what it is. You have to get over it. You have to adjust how you've been seeing yeah. your life intertwine with my life playing out for the rest of for exactly. the rest of the time that we're together. Yeah. You now need to adjust that vision. So I think that was a step for them. That was hard for them. Um, and I am honest in now that I knew I was very like, we'll figure it out. Like you got to figure it out if I could figure this out for myself. I think what I didn't really share with them was that I struggled a lot figuring that out. Mm. Is this really who I am? Am I 
why have I been pushing these emotions down and these feelings and why am I so scared to be myself? Um, especially because this additional layer of my sister had already came out. So I thought, well, she came out, so, so why you, can't anyone else? Like, why is it a big deal? Was there any fear of, although your sister came out, so that made it, in a sense, sort of kind of easier and mm -hmm. it, you know, made it, easier for the family to take it in like okay we've already accept they had accepted your sister mm -hmm. prior to you coming out yeah but was there any fear that because in a, on the opposite side of that that because your sister came out that it's like oh i can't come out too yeah i think that was a lot of my hesitation was i had i was already attending pride festivals and being involved in our lgbt student group on my campus and things like that so to me it was like well this is my normal this is okay for everyone my family was accepting of my sister and things like that after um other hard conversations but then it was like oh my gosh if i come out then there's two of us two mm. out of four like and we're the older ones like is there gonna be this fear that we're going to influence our little sisters or anything like that like all these things you start to get really in your head about. And so for me, it was very much that. I wanted to be the best daughter, the best sister, the best role model for everybody. And in my head, I worried that my identity as lesbian was going to change that. And um, fortunately enough, now I have a really great, not that I didn't before, but have a really great relationship with my family. They're very supportive of me and my partner. Um, we talk a lot about different things, but it was it was hard at the time. And um, and I just went to something yesterday about talking about safety and coming out and how we think of it as this one time thing or some people do, but it's every day mm -hmm. talking to people in different spaces. Should I come out today to these people? Should I tell my coworkers? Am I in a safe enough environment to talk about this? And because I am, um, I am cisgender and so I could pass. It's very easy for me to come into a space and not talk about my identity as LGBT. Um, sometimes I do take it upon myself to be that person. What if there's someone else in the room who is also gay, who doesn't want to say anything, who's scared? If I can bring up my courage and say, okay, I'm going to share this identity with people, sometimes that helps people. And being able to give them a little bit more courage to see, rep like we talked about representation. I see other people at the table who look like me, but there is, and I think it would be um, naive of me to say that I feel comfortable in doing that in every space because not every space is safe. And like we talked about collecting that paycheck, making sure that you're being able to go to things and not have to have that worry. It is scary at times. Am I going to hold my partner's hand here? Are we going to be able to be as affectionate as we'd like in spaces where we don't know what that looks like? Yeah, Are we gonna were, be safe? Off, offline, you were yeah. talking about going to a festival, it was Oktoberfest, mm -hmm. um, and purposely saying that, okay, we're not gonna hold hands here, we're mm -hmm. by ourselves, you know, this space may not be as accepting. And it doesn't have anything to do with like a lack of love, but more mm -hmm. of like a value of our safety. Yeah. And so we've done that. Um, me and my partner have been very great about doing that. Um, she 
and I have had several conversations before we get out of the car. If we're in a new space, if we're attending something that we're not really sure about saying, look, maybe this, I don't want to offend you. I just want us to have the conversation now. And luckily they've been really great conversations. Um, yeah, but when we went to things like Oktoberfest or things that maybe are a little bit more um, male dominated or things like that, that we're not really sure about, we have those conversations um, to really be safe. It is scary. And we want to say, I'd love to say it's easy and we can hold hands everywhere and things are fine, but that's not always the case. And um, we're both to cisgender women. So we're women of color and there's all these other things, but there's plenty of times where we've had comments made or people walk behind us a little too close or um, particularly not to um, just group everybody, but it's usually men who say things who are a little bit more um, rude about it. And, you know, like the jokes and things like that. Uh, have happened so it's really what are we gonna do to make sure we're safe but also trying to balance that with being true to ourselves and being proud in who we are um, which can be very hard to balance especially when we were younger wanting to just be righteous in our way and this is how we're gonna be and I don't care if you don't like it but then to take a step past take a step back is this the right place to do that Um, is it the right time and are we doing it in the right way yeah, being conscious of your safety is important, mm-hmm. um, and it's some it's it's sad and sad a little bit in a sense to you know think about like as a as a man I don't necessarily like sometimes when I'm walking outside at night it doesn't cross my mind to think mm-hmm. that someone may come up and like jump or rob me like I will walk outside and walk to the store and mm-hmm. not be fearful of be fearful of those things. And that's not something that you necessarily mm-hmm. will share with me. Yeah. Um, but then on the flip, when I'm in a car and a police officer gets behind me, even if I've done nothing wrong and they're not mm-hmm. pulling me over, there's this like automatic fear that sets in. Mm-hmm. I'm at 10 and two mm-hmm. I don't my phone, even if it's in my bag, my bag is on the floor and I'm mm-hmm. just like, Lord, do not let them pull me over. And, and it's just like anxiety to the mm-hmm. T And that happens in just like, you know, so many like everyday life situations when I'm walking Mm -hmm. and there are a group of women and not to shy away, uh, especially when there are a group of like white women together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, let me figure out, am I going to go left? I'm going to go like, I don't want anyone to say that anything, you know, is happening. And that's not a fun feeling Mm -hmm. to have to be always conscious of how other people may perceive you, how mm-hmm. other people people may, you know, affect your safety. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sort of kind of like you have to do the labor yeah. for someone else's, you know, discriminatory ways, mm-hmm. v- um, racist ways, um, ignorance. Yeah. You have to do, you have to do the work. Um, but being away from your family Mm-hmm. being in a sort of not like an isolated place gave you just gave you the opportunity yeah. to think through all those things yeah and gave you the opportunity to you know be here and be proud and yes. be who you are and just be aware i mean mm-hmm. whether it's right or wrong 
Yes. I mean, we know which side <laughs> it is. <laughs> Whether it's right or wrong, there is some type of, you know, awareness that and precautions that you can take to position yourself to be better and safe. And that de- and taking those precautions mm-hmm. does not mean that you are then safe. Yes, exactly. And I think um, for me particularly, we talk about being safe and being cognizant of those things and taking those precautions but it also can start to lead to this victim blaming narrative. And I think it's a hard balance. And I oftentimes see it as risk reduction. What can I do to make sure that I am safe? What are the um, things that I can um, like engage in and be make sure that I'm aware? When I'm walking, are both of my headphones in? If it's late at night, am I taking the more lit up space versus the dark walkway that's faster? Those kinds of things. Um, It's not to say that if something happened to me, it would be my fault because I didn't walk down that right path or whatever. But I think, um, at least for me, I know that those are things I can do and I try to do because I want to be safe. I want to hope that nothing does happen. It's not to say that nothing can happen because we've seen examples mm -hmm. of people going beyond. It doesn't matter if you have on the shortest skirt or if no. you're covered from head to toe, if someone is going to assault you, they're going to yeah. they're going to attempt to assault mm-hmm. you, and it's unfair to put the labor exactly. on the person and say, "Well, if you dress, if you dress so that no one knows that you're queer, mm-hmm. if you dress so that no one thinks that you're trying to be provocative, mm-hmm. if you don't put on the hoodie because we know that that's associated." with or they believe that's associated with being a game banger Mm -hmm. if you don't wear these certain colors because people will think that these colors associate you with this Mm -hmm. you know and all these different areas it's taxing yeah Um, but is but the 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 scale of weighing Mm -hmm. you know i'm all for people doing whatever they want to do um but if i get pulled over you know i have to decide am i going to be passive Am I going to be like, I know my rights, you can't do this, you can't do that? Or am I just going to be like, yes, sir, no, sir? Mm-hmm. And you see examples of both. You see examples of people being, yes, sir, no, sir, still getting mm-hmm. um, accosted. And then you see people who are aggressive, um, and particularly people of color who are aggressive, and they're still fine. So it's like, it's hard to find the balance. Of, yeah. I don't think there is a balance. Yeah. And I think it's an everyday decision. It's an everyday every decision. day, every moment, moment by moment. Like I said before about coming out in d- different spaces, each time I walk into a room, I decide. I make a conscious decision, um, which is a privilege to be able to do that. Mm. And I have to recognize that, that I have the choice of telling people. Some people don't. And like like for the color of my skin, I don't have the choice of telling people that right. I am Latina or not. Right. Um, I mean, Latina specifically, they know I'm a person of color. But those kinds of things are privileges. And so wanting to try to ensure your safety (laughs) (laughs) and things like that can be can be like you said taxing on people and it is hard and it does it is unfortunate that we have we're put in those positions and people aren't out there doing the work and researching and educating themselves some days i'm like you know i'm going to teach everyone when they have a question about lgbt i'm going to answer all the questions and you know give them the data and all the stuff and there's other times that i'm like Open up Google and find Please. it yourself. That like is, <laughs> there's and it's, and it's, it depends. It depends on the day. Yes. Like I can be on, on the Facebook <laughs> sometime and someone will say something and I'm mm-hmm. like 
recently there was a post where um, I was talking about white privilege mm. and someone said something and I even have my comments <laughs> saved in my notes. And I was you're like, ready. I, w- I sent a message and I was like, white privilege doesn't mean that your life is free of struggle or worry. It yes. doesn't mean that you won't encounter people who are prejudiced against you. It's that the color of your skin permits you to certain privileges mm-hmm. and safeties automatically in the United States. Your privilege is due to systemic racism as it is ingrained in our society. And it's not just what's happening in the present. It's historical. The injustices black Americans, Native Americans and other Americans of color have faced over centuries have made it extremely difficult for the average family within those groups to amass wealth or be treated equally by the law. And the person was talking about how they had a difficult childhood. And I was like, you yourself having a difficult childhood doesn't derail your factual likelihood to have a safer interaction with police or to have your word automatically presumed true. You know, um, so, you know, it's not that I say as a woman, you know, your privileges, you still there's still some type of. Mm-hmm. systemic issues that you yeah. face but on the grand scheme of things when we're talking about who's facing what as a white woman you still stand pretty tall and you're getting paid more so let's think about those things like we have to this and white savior mentality of well i had all these issues or i'm gonna he- come here and save the day those kinds of things okay but look at that that is still a privilege sometimes we need you at the table we need you highlighting our voices not just repeating what we're saying Give credit where credit is due. Cite the right sources. Boom. Say who is saying it. Don't just repeat my statement. Say, well, Destiny said. Yes, thank you. And so listen up. I think that we have this Check idea like, okay, well, I'm a woman. And so I have oppression. Yes, that is true. We still live in a predominantly yes, privileged, very like, white male yes, upper class. It, but no way to take away from the fact that all women face yes. marginalization. But it doesn't mean that there is not more marginalization within that own identity. Yes. Let's look at the pay gap. That is still a big thing. We're not just talking about men versus women. We're talking about women of color also being paid less. For professional work, Latina women are pretty at the bottom there, you know? like Yeah, I mean, those even, and things. these are not figures that I have off of, I'm just <laughs> going to go off of the last things that I can remember, but for Asian women and white mm-hmm. women, they, when you look at how many days you have to work past the year to reach the um, yes. dollar that mm-hmm. the white male makes in, in a year, it is, their days occur, I think it's like 88, 88 cents per dollar for yeah, Asian think- women. It's like 77 cents yeah. for um, white, white women. women. And mm-hmm. then it's like 67 or 68 cents for black women and 66, 65 for um, native um, women mm-hmm. and then for Latinas it's, in, it's somewhere in the 50s 50 yeah, we're, we're way down there so uh, and it's like the, your day hasn't even come yet for yeah, this year no, no, no. it's well, like November or something I think we're November 1st no, it's November. my old students are going to kill me because we did a, a, a pay <laughs> gap thing first. And yeah. I know that black women and um, Native American women it was August September I believe those mm-hmm. were like the dates were between those two months but you know for other groups it was it was before way before it's like in april april like yeah. i think it's i want to say april 2nd or 3rd um because we had a huge thing for it at my old university and then we i was on the um i was the director so i was helping planning and i was like wait a second so we're gonna just highlight this one day where it's just white women and um asian women's day is a little bit sooner 
And we're not even going to talk about, we still got months to go until my paycheck hits months, your dollar. Months to go until your paycheck hits your dollar. But not to <laughs> harp into that. Um, That's another conversation. Being, being, I think that it's important to note that even if your family is around you, that mm -hmm. undergrad is an experience for you to explore yourself and get to know yourself. Mm -hmm. And you should take the time to allow yourself to experience, you know, legally, things <laughs> that you can legally and ethically experience. Um, yes. Allow yourself to push your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself to explore um, what you want to do and where you want to be. And specifically at USC, this is, I just from my graduate experience, feels like a pretty great place to do that. Yes. And I'm, I wouldn't go on record saying that it's the safest place to do it um, because you can find that just putting yourself in the West Coast in Los Angeles is just like, oh my gosh, we're on the West. Everyone's so liberal. Everyone's so cool. And it's like, oh, you know, if not you drive around, space, yeah. not in every space, everyone isn't that cool. But it is so much better than, you know, coming from the South, mm -hmm. coming from the Midwest. There are opportunities here and uh, spaces to, to do those things. You to know, explore, there are schools yeah. and universities that are still fighting to have some of the spaces that we have here exactly. that are fighting for the diversity that we have here that are fighting for people to be able to get into their schools fairly. Although, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, we still, we still got some stuff we're, there. <laughs> we're wrapping, we're wrapping that up, but, um, there are definitely spaces, um, um, La Casa and the mm -hmm. LGBT center mm -hmm. that are here and available to students. And if you are a student and you are, you know, wondering how you fit in as it relates to your ethnicity mm -hmm. or your nationality and wondering how you fit in as it relates to your sexuality, you know, this is this is mm -hmm. it's not pressure, right? Yeah. But this is this is a safe. It's not necessarily. I would say that it's a safe place, but this is a great time in your life to sort of kind of explore, mm -hmm. explore who you are. And if you know, it that doesn't mean that if you explore ten years later that you're in the wrong. Yes. But this is just you know. Yeah, we have some more resources and a little bit more options here. But be easy on yourself too. Don't don't take it. Uh, it, take it day by day and in a way you want to make sure you're authentic to yourself and that you're true to yourself try to push yourself a little bit if you can but if like i talked about financial um hardships and yeah, because those kinds of that's things a real those conversation are conversation that mm -hmm. you can be nervous to come out to anyone yes. because you don't know how that relationship will affect your finances not only just your finances with like family and other people helping you but there are people who are fully supporting themselves mm -hmm. and possibly coming out and living in that truth could yeah. affect their employment and that's just the reality yeah yeah it's those things housing all of that stuff it still plays into it so do it on your own time but make know that you have resources you have people here you have organizations here those kinds of great things um i I was fortunate enough to have positive experience overall, but it doesn't mean that my day-to-day -day and there was pockets of time that weren't that great. So it's not to just say everything is perfect and rainbows and butterflies, because that's not true either. But know that there are options. Um, be there for your friends and for people. Don't um, like override their stories too. And make sure that you're just a good person. <laughs> be a good person thank you so much destiny for joining thank i'm so you. excited i feel like we had a great conversation hopefully everything makes the cut <laughs> <laughs> Yay. this has been another episode of safe place campus <laughs>